Hey listeners, welcome to another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast. I am your host, Chuck Peters. I'm so glad to have you here on behalf of my team at Lifeway Kids. We want to be uh, partners with you in your ministry. We want to bring you content and information and resources that inform, instruct, inspire, and encourage you as you serve in your ministry. Guys, I want to invite you to check out a free ebook version that we have of our new book, Flip the Script. There's a free download that you can get. Uh, it's at lifeway.com slash flip the script download. It's a long URL to type in, but it is worth the effort. Lifeway.com slash flip the script download is where you can get a link to a free PDF of our new book, Flip the Script, which is a ministry research and strategy book that helps us understand some of the unique characteristics and needs, uh, emotional needs of this current generation. And so we have set out to understand Generation Alpha uh, and, and know what their needs are so that we can bring the gospel to them as effectively as possible. And so there's a new awareness that we need to have as leaders. So here at Lifeway Kids, we have invested in doing this research and writing this book, Flip the Script. Again, get your free copy, lifeway.com slash flip the script download. Or if you want the real book, go to lifeway.com slash flip the script and you can get a beautiful printed paper copy for purchase there at lifeway.com. Well, we are not the only people who are thinking about Generation Alpha and understanding who they are and how they think and how they function so that we can speak to them and reach them more effectively. One of our really, really good friends of Lifeway Kids is Dr. Shelly Melia, who's at Dallas Baptist University. I hear it's hot today down in Dallas. Shelly, how are you this morning? It is hot for sure. It's a scorcher down here, but I'm doing great. Thanks for inviting me. I always enjoy talking with you all at Lifeway Kids. We are moving into fall. It's August as we record, and it seems like it should be cooler, but I guess there are some places in the country where it just stays warm, and Texas happens to be one of those. Yeah, I think until about Halloween is really when we see the full-on fall shift, uh, but hopefully September will bring a little bit cooler weather. So we, I have, I grew up in New Jersey, lived in California, in Florida, and in Tennessee. And you and I were comparing notes a little bit about things like sprinkler systems in the ground. We, most people in Nashville don't have those, in my experience, but they were really common in California and Florida, and I guess where you are too. Absolutely, uh, everybody has a sprinkler system. Most people, and uh, keeping those running is is expensive, but replacing grass is even more expensive. So. We are all hoping and praying for cooler days ahead with some rain. I can't can't really remember the last time it rained here, but I'm I'm sure that we'll get some rain soon. Hopefully, we have that. Having lived all over the country, it's so interesting how the weather is just different everywhere. And so we in Tennessee, the you know the the common phrase is if you don't like the weather, wait three days and it'll be completely different. So right now it's a little bit cooler, but it was blistering hot two days ago, and I think it's going to be again in two more days. We get. Summer, winter, fall, spring, all within the course of a week. Right. Yeah. Just hang on. It'll change. Now, now you are also, I, you are also an accomplished runner. So um, there, I'm not, I'm, I personally don't understand the love for running. And so I want to hear just a little bit about how you got to love running. So for me as an athlete, running was what we did for punishment 
you know, if you don't get this done, you're going to have to run. But I have a son who's a runner who loves it. And as I look at you, Shelly, even as we talk, there are medals all behind you from marathons and half marathons and races that you have run. And you are you are uh, an accomplished runner. So tell us just a little bit about your passion for running. Well, I got started because when I was in high school, I broke my ankle playing basketball and I had to uh, I had to rehab. And mm. so just me to running. But um, I'm really I, I'm really just a completer and not a competer. Uh-huh. Um, it's a stress reliever. It's a social thing. I have uh, friends that we run races together. And so um, more than anything, it's an opportunity just to try to take care of the body, you know, that God has given me. But there's there's something special to me about being outdoors uh, and exercising and being with friends that uh, just draws me in. And so, yeah, I'm a completer, not a competer, um, but it's it's worked for me. It's an easy thing to do. I got up this morning and did four miles before I came uh, to work, but I do it very slow. As you get older, you have to sort of slow down. So but impressive. <laughs> You are hashtag goals, Shelly, in so many ways. I I love how you have made running a social thing. Uh, I think, you know, for some people it can be isolating and maybe we enjoy that time alone. But the way that you have a group of friends and and that you get to travel all over the place for some races. Yeah, we have just started doing national parks. So in April, we did um, Zion National Park. And I, I don't think I really knew anything about it. Uh, prior to doing that race, but it is so beautiful. It is. It, we stopped and took pictures of the scenery and just enjoyed God's creation. And uh, so, yes, it is. It is cool. It's an outlet. It's a hobby. And I guess there are, there could be worse hobbies than than traveling to do half marathons. Well, it's. Uh, I wish you well as you run. You are you are very impressive, and as I watch you from a distance, it's always fun to see your pictures, and see you in those cool places getting a new medal, new bling to hang up on your wall. This. So I didn't intend this segue. We just kind of started talking here without a big plan. But I'm going to try to make a segue here. That's a very spiritual one. So I mean, we know the analogy of running the race of the Christian life of completing the race. Uh, We run to win, but we also, I'm aware, run at a pace. And so uh, sometimes we can feel like we're running on a treadmill where where we're working really hard and maybe not getting anywhere. And even in our ministries, as opposed to covering all that ground and understanding that we're actually going someplace that we don't run just to maintain uh, where we are, but to, but to progress. And so it's not a perfect analogy, but as we talk about running the race of our, uh, as ministry leaders, setting a pace and figuring out where we're going, we really need to understand that there's a purpose uh, to what we're doing. And, and, and for us in uh, preschool and kids ministry, but also into all of next gen ministry with preschoolers, kids and students, we need to understand the nuances uh, about the different uh, kids that we are ministering to. Uh, certainly, we are of one generation, you and I. The parents of the youngest children now are millennials. And so there's a lot of differences in the generations and how they think 
uh, and in the children of, of Gen Z versus Generation Alpha. Uh, and so you've been doing some uh, some research, and, and you teach about these things. You're going to be at our Etch conference in October uh, here in Nashville, and so let's talk a bit about this generation. First of all, why is it so important that we as leaders take the time to understand that not all generations think the same, and that we may need to change our approach or uh, adjust our path a little bit in order to get to them? Sure. It's important, I think, for us to understand different generations um, because they're growing up in a time that's much different than what you and I grew up, which will impact how they develop. It will impact the things they value. It will impact even the things that they emphasize in Scripture or the things that maybe they struggle with in Scripture. And so um, I'm, I'm Gen X. I'm guessing you're probably yes. Uh, well, and we're we're the least talked about. We're kind of like that middle child, that forgotten like, generation. Yeah, <laughs> generation. Um, but Gen Alpha is is the one that comes after Gen Z. And um, if you think about all the things that they've already experienced in their lifetime that are completely different, um, there's some discussion, and and who knows if it will if it will stay Gen Alpha. It could it could turn into a different name. Um, there's, uh, Jean Twang who writes a lot. She calls them polars, mm. uh, because of the polarization of our world and some other reasons. Um, but Mark McCrindle says, uh, Gen Alpha, but it's important to know, um, what have they experienced that's, that's impacting sort of their development. And so, uh, Gen Alpha is, is 2010, uh, to present. So they're, they're 13 and under. Um, but there's some that would say, let's don't start that until about 2015, because we think COVID was such a defining event that we want them to be at least about five years old and have been in school to understand what happened. So um, they are growing up in a time that's different than us, and that should inform uh, how we want how we run the race with them. If you want to mm-hmm. kind of keep that analogy, we don't we don't run the race the same with them that we ran with Gen X or Gen uh, Z or millennials. And so um, I think it's one of the biggest uh, challenges that we face uh, is, is really thinking about the long game with them and thinking about uh, where is it that we're heading with them and how is it that we can get there because they are going to, to see the world differently. So give us a brief overview of who Generation Alpha is. What are they? What what are some of those uh, uh, characteristics that define them? Okay. So uh, as I said, most of them, most people think they were born 2010 to present. Um, they are in our children's ministries, uh, and some of them are just starting into our youth ministries, um, and they have grown up in a world where technology has fueled this fire of individualism in a way that probably no other generation. Um, if you think about it, technology uh, helps us or promotes this idea of individualization and hyper-individualism. And it sort of takes away or diminishes the sense of collectivism that maybe other generations had, where we thought about what we did and how it impacted others. Um, and we, our, our older generation sacrificed so much for the common good. 
And now that we have technology, we can we can isolate, we can uh, have everything delivered to us, we can um, have everything personalized to us, we can we we have 15 different TVs or monitors or tablets in our homes as opposed to one. Um, when I was growing up, and I was the remote control, you probably were too. Uh, we had three we channels, and you had to actually turn the dial. Yeah, the rabbit ears, <laughs> you know. Uh, and so, so they're growing up in a in a in a different time, and they have some different uh, challenges. I think that are ahead of them. All right. So you mentioned that word individualism. Uh, for some of our listeners, that's a word that they're familiar with. For others, it may not be. And you you sort of got into a little bit of what that means. But is there? Let's talk a bit more, Shelley, about that the the difference in mindset of this generation uh, in terms of we versus me thinking. Yeah. So there's a, a fun little clip that I often play, and it asks the question of three different three different generations: What did you do for fun as a kid? And the older generations always use the word we. Hmm. We built forts. We did this. We played till dark. We we we. And you ask the younger generations, and it's it's more I language. It's more I like video games. I like to text. I like this. Um, and so we can see even in their language that shift. We can see that even in our churches. If, if we're really honest, our churches have shifted and and been chasing after that. Let's meet the need of each individual. So let's have uh, let's have a different worship style, five different worship styles of music to meet that that individual. Um, that individual person. And and I think the world sells us um, a a view, a worldview that isn't a biblical worldview that says you need to do whatever makes you happy. Yeah. And so that drives a lot of what I think what's going on in our world is this pursuit of me. It's this pursuit of what is going to make uh, a me happy. And what what our kids really need is that sense of community again, that sense of we. Uh, not just looking at each other, that peer reference, but understanding what it means to be a part of a community of faith where there's older people who greet me uh, when I come to church and there's older people who teach me and I worship alongside people uh, who are going through all different things in life. And I, as a child, am able to notice that, to notice what it means to be faithful. I I go to the old people service at my church and I remember uh, about a year ago, I sit in the balcony a lot and uh, looking down and seeing a gentleman who just lost his wife that week and he was singing in the choir and a gentleman over here whose daughter had unexpectedly died of an aneurysm sitting over here that very week. And I thought to myself, that that is inspiring and that's faithfulness. I need to see that because, you know, I can be I can be a lot less faithful at times. I can think, well, I'm not feeling well or, well, you know, I've got this going on. I'll just watch at home. But being around those older generations and seeing their faithfulness, I think, is important. And I think we've individualized church even so much that our kids are not benefiting from that sense of community, that sense of collectivism uh, that, that maybe some of us grew up with. Uh, in our churches, uh, they don't get that benefit. They don't get to see suffering and faithfulness mm-hmm. in the same room. They just um, miss out on some of the depth of what it means to be a Christian, I think. 
And that's something that is uh, kind of indicative of the whole generation and of our culture, of the worldview that presides today is that it's all about me, uh, my needs, my desires, my wants. You use the word personalized, uh, that, that, that uh, a lot of what, whatever it is I want, I can get. And usually instantly, right, that immediate gratification versus delayed gratification. There are so many things like that that characterize the generation where the idea of even coming together – was hindered through COVID for many of these kids at a very young developmental stage in life. They missed that. And they may not innately value that coming together. And that is something that is core to what the church is and who we're meant to be as, as followers of Jesus, that we're meant to live in community. Uh, so how do we bridge that gap and, and, and uh, introduce them to the concept of community and connection in a culture where they might be uh, tended to lean towards isolation? Yeah. Well, I think we have to recognize that as one of their greatest needs. Um, and so as we think about creating environments for our children's ministry, that's the long game is, is we want kids to grow up in a community of faith. So if that's what we want, we know that's what they need. How do we, how do we do that? Well, it's, it's the long game of children's ministry, that's hard. It's not, um, it's just, it, it requires us to say what is best for kids. Um, you know, Kurt Thompson in one of his books says, our deepest drama is that we are looking for a face that is looking for us, hmm. right? That we deeply need people who are looking for us when we come to church. His quote is not related to church. It's related to other things, but mm -hmm. I, I I know that there are Sundays that I go to church and it's the connections that I make or don't make that impact how I feel when I leave, right? Uh, those Sundays when I make strong, good connections and I feel like what I'm doing matters, I go home energized and excited. Those Sundays when I feel like I just kind of went through the motions and might have even been a little bit invisible, I go home and go, hmm, that didn't feel as good, you know? And so our, I think that for our kids... Um, we are working so hard just to fill holes and to get each Sunday done. And I get that, um, that, that we have to sort of move beyond that and say, we really need relational discipleship. We really need people who will pour into our kids on a weekly basis because our kids are, are living in relational poverty. They don't have the relationships. We think they're connected by technology but they're not, their hearts aren't connected to other people. Right. And so their mental health issues, we see all kinds of things that are the result of that. And so, whereas in the past, maybe we influence kids by cool environments, by fun technology, um, by what we know, I think today we're going to influence kids by the relationships that we build with them. And mm. if we don't have relationships with them, we're not going to influence them. And they're, they don't feel connections with congregations or denominations or affiliations, they feel connections with individuals who see them and acknowledge them. And so it's so important for us as ministry leaders to kids that they feel that we see them. Right. Absolutely. We, we need to um, make sure that every child who comes every week knows that they're seen and that they're loved. And, and we would all say that's what we intend to do. We right. would all say always our intention, but 
I think we've created some environments where that's hard to do. Mm-hmm. When, when we put um, kids in a, a big room with a hundred kids um, and rotating people, yeah. it's hard, it's hard to have that connection. It's hard for someone on the platform to make that connection. It takes it takes me and you and every other teacher who's willing to to step into that place. Um, to connect because uh, our children's ministers, you you all can't connect with 150 kids at one time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you connect one at a time, and so um, the the good news is that we we can sort of identify what needs to be done. The bad news is that's really hard in our environment because we have adults we don't want to do that at times. We have um, folks that don't want to invest uh, as deeply, and so I think the big key is how do we get people back into wanting to invest deeply into kids on a weekly basis. Yeah. And that changes the way that we recruit, the types of people that we partner with on our teams, how we train and lead and guide those who are serving with us. Uh, You know, it used to be that you needed to be a really good teacher and being a teacher who could stand in front of a room full of people and communicate well was the most important need. And what we teach is extremely important. So we never want to diminish that. Content is king. We have to speak the truth, teach the truth accurately of God's word and handle it well. However, with this generation, it's so important that we are not speaking at them, but that we're speaking with them. I, I love that actually. Um, I, I read a book. Uh, it's called Ready for Real Life, and the one of the points is we've got to use a, a two-way radio more with kids. Mm. In other words, when you use a two-way radio, there's there's a process. You talk, and the other person listens, and then you get a chance to talk, and this person listens. And if you try to talk at the same time, it doesn't work. Mm. Uh, and as I as I read that, I thought that's such a good analogy because I think what we try to do is use a megaphone. And a megaphone is annoying and it's not very effective. And we just blast the message out thinking that's going to to hit them. And certainly God's word is powerful and sharper than it. I mean, it can do all those things. Mm. But what kids really need is that that two-way radio. Uh, and that requires a human, right? That requires a person. Um, and the thing is, is that once you experience that, um, you want more as a as a leader. And so giving, you know, giving those opportunities, setting up teachers for success, um, to have those type of opportunities, I think will breed them wanting to do to do more. But yeah, uh, two-way communication, listening and talking is 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 the beginnings of relational discipleship. And I think it's easy for us as leaders to th- and just the way that our generation grew up to think if we're not being heard, we need to talk louder. Right. We need to turn up the volume or we need to say more things or better things or different things when really with this generation, what they may need for us to do is instead of cranking up the volume to sit next to them and to look in their eyes and to connect with them relationally. So then they can hear what we have to say because they they have a connection with you as a as a personal leader. Yeah, And I think that's true with parents, too, of Mm. this generation if you really want to I think um I have a Gen Z ear and uh or two actually and um I think they do feel like they're grow they've grown up in a world where people are just using megaphones screaming at each other all you know that polarized um I'm right you're wrong type of a of a mindset and 
I think they do desperately want to talk to us. They don't need us for information. They can find information. And, you know, we didn't even mention AI, artificial intelligence, mm. and how that's shaped this generation. They can get all the information in the world that they want, but they are having a hard time having those relationships. And so as we just connect with even the parents, we have an opportunity to, to draw that family in and to give them a taste of someone who would say, Hey, I just, I just want to know how you're doing. Tell me, tell me how your week was, you know, and as, as a parent, I know you're a parent. When somebody loves my child, mm-hmm. I love them. Yeah. I can look a lot when, when they love my child and they're pouring into them, man, what an open door that you have into my heart. When you notice my child, when you see my child, when you acknowledge my child, um, and I think those those are kind of lost arts. Those are kind of things that we've we've forgotten how how impactful impactful they really are. And um, and as a teacher, I teach five year olds on Sunday morning. Um, it's those little things that keep us going too. Yesterday, I got a, a message on a messenger from one of my little girls that was in my class last year, and the mom said. Um, so-and-so really wants to talk to you on Sunday. She uh, made an important decision and she can't stop talking about how she wants to she tell, wants you, to tell you. And would you, can we steal you away? That was the word she used. Can we steal you away for a few minutes? And I tell you what, I, I was smiling the rest of the afternoon thinking about, okay, there's a fruit. Hmm. There's a, there's an, op- there's an opportunity to say the long game works. It's working like this relationship, this consistency, and this uh, child is now um, made a decision that she wants to talk about. And so um, when we are only in and out of classrooms, we don't get that same long game, that same fruit. Yeah. And as we talk about the idea that it, it changes what sort of leaders we recruit and who we bring on our teams, that's a really key um, factor, right? The the idea that we need people who, and, and this is not new. We There's always been Sunday school teachers or ministry leaders who are just naturally relationally minded. And we know oftentimes from childhood that we, we don't remember the things we were taught as much as we remember that one or the very few adult leaders who we felt really cared about us and loved us and knew us. And, but that's just so much more important with this generation because of their deficit in that area. Right. Absolutely. And really love goes a long way. We need to teach the truth, but love will open doors that just knowledge never will. So Shelly, what gives you hope about Generation Alpha Kids? It seems that we know we've heard about mental health issues and concerns and loneliness and isolation and all the anxieties that kids struggle with. And in a lot of ways, it feels like uh, it's hopeless for this generation. What What is it that gives you hope? I think there, there are some things that, that they're developing that maybe generations didn't before. Uh, one of them I think about is just adaptability and resilience. If we, if we look at what they've been through, um, they've already been well aware of the fact that the world doesn't revolve around them, mm. right? COVID completely leveled the playing field of everyone. No one had an advantage. Everyone's birthdays were canceled. Everyone's graduations were canceled. Parents couldn't fix everything. And and that's not a bad thing to learn. That's not a bad thing to know that sometimes things don't go like we planned, but we make the best of it. So so they they experienced the birthday parade and 
all the different ways in which we adapted and coped during that time. So I think they may have a healthier view of their place in the world and knowing that um, parents can't fix everything. So I'm hopeful about that. I do think they have um, a, an appetite for relationships. They, they're not going to communicate it that way, but there is a desire. Um, maybe so. I remember when we first came back to church, the kids just like, they just couldn't get enough of each other. They just were so happy to be back together. And so I think they're going to, they're going to continue that. They're going to recognize and remember how important that was. Parents, I think, recognize and remember that. And then the other thing that I really think, and it started with, with Gen, uh, with millennials and it's carried into somewhat of Gen Z, but it's that global mindset that allows them to be more missional. Mm. Um, I, I think that they, um, value helping others, meeting the needs that they see in our world. More so than even us. I didn't grow up seeing everything happen. I didn't know in Maui there's kids without homes, right? Because we didn't have everything piped into us. Uh, I had to, you know, go to GAs, Girls in Action, to learn about missions. Yeah. Um, or go to look at a National Geographic to know that there were hungry kids. And these kids see that every day. And, and so I think that they are more attuned to the world and more attuned to what can we do to help uh, this world. And so those are, those are a few things. I think that those things are going to shape who they become and what they value, uh, in scripture and what they value in a, in a church community. Dr. Shelley Melia, thank you so much for being back on the podcast. It's always fun to talk with you, and I'm so thankful for the insights that you have and for the perspective you bring, for the wisdom you have to share. So thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing with our listeners. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to be here. And I'm excited to have you up to Nashville for the Etch Conference. So listeners, our Etch Next Gen Ministry Conference is coming up in October, October 9th, 10th, and 11th, right here in Nashville. Uh, we will have a wonderful gathering, as we've done for many, many years, of preschool children and student ministry leaders. If you are Next Gen, this is the place for you, uh, where we will be leaning in on different topics like this one. Uh, throughout the conference. And so I want to invite you to go to etchconference.com where you can find out uh, how to register and bring your team as we come together uh, to to uh, sharpen one another. Uh, Dr. Dr. Amelia will be here and she will be leading some breakout sessions. And so if you feel a connection with her, I would encourage you to come and seek her out and have some personal conversation with her and, uh, and all of us here at the Etch Conference coming up in October. Details at uh, etchconference.com. And we hope to see you here. Hey, thank you for listening today. We'll see you back again soon for another episode of the Kids Ministry 101 podcast.